Hey guys, uh, this is Brandon from Where's the Fowl. Um, here with Cohen, who's uh, one of our other staff members here. Uh, today we're just going to be doing a podcast. I think what we've agreed on is basically just uh, NBA Fantasy League draft. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things from that and kind of just discuss it from my perspective, considering I'm not a sports person. I don't know anything about NBA really or fantasy drafts is my first time I got suckered into it um, so yeah um, do you want to say hi come <laughs> hey guys how's it going um, so yeah I'm just gonna basically teach Brandon how to play fantasy um, as he said I was the one who suckered him into playing so I guess now it's only fair that I teach him how all right so Basically, like, I've come up with a couple things that I wanted to talk about, things that I'm not 100% certain on, I don't really know much about. Um, so I think one of the first things that we had really, you know, when we kind of brainstormed a little bit was just, um, first off, like, I know that we're in what's called a rotisserie style um, yeah. draft. Yeah, uh, so we're in a season-long rotisserie league. Yeah. So you were saying that there's different styles of leagues, different types of leagues, uh, and they all work somewhat differently for scoring. So uh, if you could break that down a little bit, what differs ours from those, yeah. um, that would really help me, I think, understand a little more. So yeah, basically there's, um, there's two types of leagues. There's either a head-to-head league um, or there's a season-long league. So those are either you have like head-to-head matchups each week or you'll it'll just be a season-long basis so the season-long basis is generally the rotisserie leagues where you get like certain amount of points for whatever ranking you're in in each category so if i'm in first in points i'll get 10 out of 10 for that if there's 10 teams in the league Um, with head-to-head you'll be matched up against a different person each week and with that there's either scoring systems where you get a certain amount of points per stat so you'll get three points for every assist and you'll get a point for every point you get um shocker Uh, (laughs) and those will accumulate over a week and whoever has more at the end of the week will win that matchup and so that's more like um say like football where every week they play one game and their record at the end of the season determines their playoff standing um it's very similar to that okay um, and as far as hours go, it's more like just the constant season long per player points exactly. accumulation. And then it's by, from what I understand, it's like, uh, whoever has the highest amount of any one point, they will have so like, they'll be ranked at like 10 and then it goes down from there exactly. based on where you stand. So if, if I finish the season and I have the most assists in, the, in our league, mm-hmm. um, then I will get 10 points because we have 10 teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Okay. And it, it kind of creates like between the head to head and the season long, the head to head matchups are more volatile. If a guy goes down for a week, then you are like, oh, well, there's a good chance I might lose this matchup. With a season-long matchup, injuries tend to be less devastating. I mean, of course, having said that, I I had Gordon Hayward on my team, and that was pretty (laughs) devastating to me and to him. Um, But on the whole... Uh, for a season-long thing, unless the guy's going to be out for two or three months and he's not a top, top-tier guy, I mean, it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Um, especially if you have an injured reserve spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've noticed that in a little bit. Um, I've got some guys who are out and stuff, and so I'm. we've talked about that a little bit and as to what I should be doing with them. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, 
one of my favorite things to do at the start of the season is to catch people panicking. Yeah. Um, because it always happens. There'll be one guy who comes out slow. Like, I think Boogie's going to be the guy this year who gets just shopped around like crazy. Um, because he got dry, he came into New Orleans halfway through last season. They have a really unorthodox lineup with two really big guys instead of a bunch of really small guys. Um, and he's just not... He doesn't have a great personality. So I feel like if he has even a week of bad play near the start of the season, people are just going to start selling on him left and right. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, basically one of the other things that I wanted to address or ask about then was for, at least for ours, uh, league, or I guess as a conversation for all of the different style and types of leagues, um, what are the strategies behind those? For instance, with ours, is it, is it better to try and get a little bit of like, you know, kind of cover the bases, get a decent scoring in everything and try and get like mid-level points for all categories? Or would it be better to then instead focus on a couple specific points and lead in those? I think usually, and that's a good question, um, I think that a lot of people focus too much on what they're drafting for Mm -hmm. um, before they start the draft. Uh, It's really based on who your first pick is. Um, In my case, I got Giannis, the Greek freak, so you kind of have a lot of flexibility. But there's two things that he's just not good at. Um, Free throws, and he gets Mm -hmm. a lot of turnovers. Um, It's a product of just having the ball in his hands a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, Oh, and sorry, three-pointers. That's what I said, right? Did I say free throws? Whatever. Three-pointers and uh, and turnovers. Um, He's not a good shooter, and he turns the ball over a lot. So those are basically, if my best guy is going to get me everything else, then I have to say, well, I just have to pitch those two categories then. I'm just not going to be able to do well if my best guy isn't giving me anything out of that unless I really draft away from that after the fact. Yeah. I noticed that when we were... (laughs) I'll give you a chance to get that. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So I know that when we were, uh, you know, obviously we live in the same house. So when we were drafting, uh, I kind of had your help on that. You were able to uh, give me a little bit of uh, pointers and advice and everything as to what I should be doing with my picks. And uh, I can't remember who my first pick was, but... um, Um, My first pick? I think uh... I got... I think it was Lowry. Uh, I think it might have been Lowry. No, I, I think I picked someone else before Lowry. Yeah, I, uh, I picked uh, Carmelo Anthony. Right. Matt. That was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not and you're necessary. still in third place. Yeah. yeah, somehow I'm still doing well. Um, but I know that we had kind of, like, you were helping me figure out, you know, like, what I should be focusing on. Should I be going for, like, you know what categories that I should be focusing on picking other people from. Carmelo almost helped you in that regard. Because, yeah. Because he's not a top-tier talent, he's a little more pigeonholed than some of the other top guys. Mm-hmm. You pretty much knew what you were going for right off the bat. Yeah, I think I, I kind of... I did myself a favor and shot myself in the foot at the exact same time there. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of built my team around that and I ended up having to ask a qu- bunch of questions and trying to figure out. But I, I tried to do some of the research on my own ahead of time. So you know. I just want the record to show that before we started this fantasy league, I went, Brandon, do you want to join? We have an extra spot. We need some more people. And he goes, no, I just don't think I'm going to like it. Yeah. His words. Yeah, not mine. I, I, I gotta say, I'm enjoying it. I think the problem was that I thought that 
if I got into it, I might end up enjoying it too much. And then I would end up sinking a bunch of time into it, which I've been doing. Um, so I have been doing a bit of the research on my own and I am learning more and more about it. Um, but yeah, there's still a couple things that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, so as far as like strategy wise though, like we were talking about, what about the other, other types of leagues? Uh, what is it? What is best? Um, it tends to be. I mean, our our league doesn't have a game limit, which is a big, which is a big thing because really, you just you can add and drop players all the time if you want, in the hopes that you can just fill your roster with as many games as possible each night. Yeah. Um, now there's a lot of kind of danger in that because every time you drop a player, there's a chance that somebody else is going to pick them up. Um. But it's a possibility. Now, in other leagues, the rosters tend to be a little more flexible in and of themselves, but um, the game limits make it a little more strict in total. So you can't just pick up guys whenever you want, and you can't just uh, fill your roster every night because you're going to hit a limit, and you're going to have put in guys that just aren't um, top quality and you're you're losing potential at that point. Yeah. So it's really about finding guys that you're really comfortable with putting in every night and then having maybe two or three other players at the end of your lineup that you're like, these are my expendable guys. If there's an injury and I need to pick somebody up, instead of getting rid of the injured guy, I'm going to keep him on my bench for a little bit just to be uh, safe that he doesn't you know, come back and somebody else has already picked him up. Um, I have my placeholder guy who I can just take out and drop onto the bench or drop onto waivers and then most likely he'll still be there when my guy comes back and I can just pick him back up. Okay. Um, I think we kind of went over breaking down the points and stuff um, and like how they work in our league. Um, and I think you kind of covered that at the beginning, so I don't think I'm going to really discuss that too, too much more. Um, one of the big things that I was like, ha- I wish I had kind of known ahead of time um, before we even started in the league was uh, what's best in, or how is it best to look for characters? I've noticed that you've obviously got like the PR 15, stuff like that, own percentages um, and, and everything like that. But then you've also got to focus on, you know, like, their points and stuff like that but you don't necessarily know that at the beginning of the league right you know that you know this is how they've done in the past but what's changed it's a lot of research it is yeah um and it's a it's a lot of it's a combination of ob- ob- objective research and subjective opinion um because there's only so much research you can do and at the end of the day there's going to be guys who are very similar in every way and it's just going to be well who do i like more or who do i personally think is going to do better yeah um, i found myself picking guys that i knew the name of i like i tried purely to stick to guys that and i and that's knew. a big one right um but like unfortunately a lot of those guys that i know are the big tier guys right yeah everybody picked them up within the first couple of seconds and like i was um left and it's the nba in in real life, the NBA really is. There's maybe five to ten star star players, mm-hmm. um, and that's just the way it is. But it, in fantasy, because of the way it's structured, you get more like it's a it's weird. There's about forty to fifty guys who are like can't drop guys, um, even if they get injured for two or three weeks. You know that when they come back, their production is going to offset that. 
Um, but then after that, it's really like every man for themselves. Like if you're not in that top 50 or 40 of if you go to, like the my barometer is if you were to go down for three weeks, am I going to am I going to keep you? Because three weeks is a long time, even in season long leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you have to kind of look at the 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 general consensus of who those top 30 or 40 guys are and then use your own judgment to sift through those after that it's really in my opinion subjective after yeah. that it's bias who do i like because you're looking for high upside guys yeah because the risk on them is pretty low they're like sixth seventh eighth round draft picks yeah um well even then though you can talk about like the uh you know how to pick guys um after this season's already started right not even necessarily during the draft because i mean most people who are you know in the drafts are already in they've already picked their players so like how to use the waivers and stuff yeah well not even necessarily on how to use them but how to pick new guys because for instance i recently had to make a replacement because uh one of my guys was out he was going to be out for too long of a period and i didn't think that it was really worth it because he was you know like a lower tier guy uh he wasn't really doing a whole lot for me um versus in comparison to i got miles turner right now who's who's uh, with a concussion i'm not going to get rid of him because i know when he comes back he's going to do a lot for me he's been doing excellent for me so of far course. um but you know when i had to make that uh uh when i had to make that call i ended up having to pull in somebody else and then figuring out you know like we're picking guys who are you know 100th or lower now what i do is um for my street if if there's an injury that i'm trying to fill i'll usually just keep picking up guys that i think will do well on any given night if it's somebody I'm trying to actually replace on my roster, and like the way I find if somebody's going to do well is just I'll look at their matchup. If <laughs> their matchup is bad, then I'll be more likely to pick them up. And I'll look at how they did the game before. And then I'll also look, you know how they have that breaking news thing? Yeah. See if they got in, if anybody in front of them got injured. Yeah. If anybody in front of them goes down with a serious injury and they have any promise at all, chances are they're going to get minutes. Yeah. And at the end of your roster, minutes equal production. Yeah, it's, that's you what don't, happened with right? Turner when Turner went out. Now Sabonis is playing for him. DeMontis Sabonis has really been showing a and lot of yeah, promise. he's doing really well. Uh, but he's, he's... He had the double-double in his first game. How did he do last game? Uh, I don't have him up here. I can okay. take a look quickly, though. No, nah, that's fine. Yeah? Okay. Um, but still, double-double in his first game with Miles Turner gone. Because yeah. the big knock against him was a lack of rebounding and, and uh, defense. But he, like, held his own down there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, other than, you know, like, picking new players... Uh, we kind of touched on this already, but is it worth waiting for certain characters who are out or day to day? You know, holding on to a character players. who might be or player. Sorry, I, yeah, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, is it worth uh, keeping players who are day to day or out or like? Do you do you have to really focus on the type of injury that they have? Yeah, uh, you know, I'd say constantly. there's a definite shelf life. Yeah. Um, now our league doesn't have an injured reserve spot, so it becomes a lot stricter. Um, but you don't necessarily have to get your lineup filled, filled, filled every night. Like, if you have one guy at the end of your bench, what, like my top four or five draft picks, I'm going to be very careful with about dropping. Because mm-hmm. um, those are guys who, have, who are proven commodities. You know, like, it's like buying a Honda Civic. You know what you're getting with a Honda Civic. <laughs> um, so... I, I'm not, you know, like, if, if it's a donkey, you know, if it's just this guy who's random, 
I'm not going to care about him. I'll drop him if he gets injured for more than a week or two. Yeah. But for anybody that is starting, is a clear starter on their lineup, um, is going to get about 10... Pl- is anybody who's over 10-plus shot tonight, because that generally means they're a focal point of the offense itself, I'll just hold on to those guys for a while. Because I know that when they come back, and as long as it's not a lingering injury, once they come back, I'll give them a couple of weeks. If it looks like it's going to linger throughout the season, then I'll start getting iffy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like I've noticed that you know different injuries are going to keep people out of the different out of the game for different periods of time, right? Obviously, in comparison, Turner to yeah <laughs> to your injury, which is yeah you know, quite a bit different. Um, yeah, when your ankle goes sideways, you're not exactly coming back in a couple weeks. Yeah, no, and Turner will be back uh, in no time, hopefully, uh, with the concussion. Um, yeah, so then. Um, We had talked about like we you know we we've changed it up a little bit where now there's not a number of games playable but there was um, I know that we kind of changed that because I think it was more yeah I had changed the roster how strict the rosters are so you kind of have to put there's no utility spots anymore there's just the one yeah so that kind of allows you to manage your games played but with two point guard two shooting guard to like two of each position the 150 games wouldn't even allow you to play your first two draft picks for the entirety yeah, of it. Unless you wanted to be really strategic about it and make sure that you're only putting in one person at night, even though both of them could play. And that's the And thing. picking which one's going to get you better points. And um, that's just too much. Um, yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but game limits, usually they'll get it so that you'll you'll have about 20 extra games to play. Yeah. So you can get your two top guys in and for every single one of their games, and then you'll have streaming options for your backup. Yeah. Now, how has that worked in the past? Because it's, to my understanding, at least from what I've overheard and stuff, because, again, I'm not huge into the NBA, that this season's longer than usual or there's more games than usual? Um, season's 82 games. Now, they do want to shorten it. Um, they're, they're really trying in the schedule to lessen the amount of back-to-back games. Yeah, okay. And uh, lessen the amount of uh, west to east travel because you're losing three hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, So they're trying to shorten it down to, I think they said 64 or 72. One of those two would be the next kind of option for them. Okay. Um, So when you look at that 150 games limit we play, we had with the uh, two two positions or two players at each position mm-hmm. um even if they rest for let's say three games each you're still going over that limit and that's just two of your two guys yeah um so if you have any bench player there you're the bench is basically just backups you're never putting them in yeah um okay um then is it like is there normally um like number of games playable or like limits in the other leagues or is that mainly just the there are but i just changed the um because i had changed the uh the roster styles it became unviable yeah um usually there usually there will be uh like game limits on it um i had made the rosters really strict i find that that creates better competition and makes you look deeper or look at more facets for players. It's not with the utilities. You kind of get cop outs. You just look for stats that you want. You don't necessarily need to look specifically for positions. Yeah. Um, because you have those three freebies. Um, 
Yeah. So there's normally, sorry, how many utility spots is there normally? Uh, three. Three utility? So, and then there's usually a forward spot. So in, so it's like one of each. So point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Then there will be a point guard, shooting guard split like flex. Okay. Then there will be a uh, small forward, power forward flex. Okay. And then there will be three utilities. Okay. Yeah, I can see how this one would be a lot more strict then um, in the sense that you specifically have to look for people. Because like, I, I noticed that, like, for instance, um, I've planned my lineup for up until the end of December already. Uh, I've gone through and, and I've looked at all the games that are going to pl- be played. I got to go and do it again a little bit just because I did make that adjustment. Like I did have yeah. to, to trade off a player. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and make sure that I'm not having any blank spots. Um, but had I not known that that was going to be something that was going to happen and i think that's what's happening to some of the guys in our league i was even looking through some of the other guys lineups in the past couple of days and they've got empty spots spots where somebody in their bench could fill oh no they're just lazy well it, it, <laughs> okay so they're just lazy it's not because they're missing out on that they're just lazy okay um because uh i i didn't know that that was a thing until right before the first game and i was like oh shit i guess i should line up set up my lineup um and I've lost my train of thought. Well, there are other leagues where there's weekly uh, locks. Okay. So you have to set your lineup weekly. Ours Ooh. is daily. Yeah. So if you were to pick up a guy at uh, 6.30 that night, and if he doesn't play until 7.30, you could put him into yeah, a lineup spot. Yeah, I've noticed that once they're in, they're locked. Uh, and the it's, once the, it's once the first game starts, the entire roster will lock for the for the day. Oh, really? Yeah. Because mine are, I can still move guys that aren't where the or game hasn't be. started. Yeah. My, my, my maybe games, that's only Yahoo. Uh, yeah, because I was going to say, for instance, tonight I've got Lowry playing at 1030. I can still move him out if I wanted to. Until that must be only Yahoo. Yeah. I, mean, I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of ESPN's fantasy layout. No? The league setting, setting up the league is so convoluted. I noticed um, that we had some issues. It's really convoluted. Um, and then you can't. You, there's certain leagues that you can change after the fact, and certain that you can't. But it, it seems almost arbitrary as to which one is which. Okay. And then oh, it's and then the app isn't good. The draft system isn't great. It's just really not great overall. Yeah, I didn't mind the draft system personally. For but I mean, obviously, this is the first time I've ever done it, so I have nothing to compare it to. But I I thought it was kind of fun sitting around picking all the characters and you know. Oh having no, that it's time. just the app that they use isn't fantastic. Yeah, There's better little, one. Um, yeah. It's it's not that well laid out, and you can't um, change the draft order. Like there are certain things that you just can't change for arbitrary reasons. Yeah. All right. Um, so then, one of the other things that I was um, that I noticed that there's a difference between the way my team is playing out versus other people's, and I was kind of interested to hear your take on this. Is um, is just like what would you like? What do you think is better? Having you know, like multiple players from one specific team, even though like you know, sometimes you know that those teams are going to be the big teams, right? Everybody knows that there's certain teams that dominate. Uh, the NBA league um, and so some people seem to be pulling a lot of players from that team knowing that they're gonna you know take care of each other um, versus a team like mine where my fantasy league is it's a lot of players from different teams I, I, I think I've only got one or two crossovers um, what is it what are the benefits or like I think it's more of I think it's more 
fun to have different players from different teams um, because then when you you always have a game, an emotional investment in a game yeah. you can turn on almost any game and go I have one guy playing in this yeah. um, so I always do love that now sometimes of course there's teams that are just rolling um, like I know one of the guys in our league got both Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and while Gordon Hayward's injury was terrible um, both of those guys are going to be in line for more shot attempts now that the Gordon Hayward's no longer yeah. on the court. Is this the same uh, Boston? Kind of, yeah, he's yeah. got a bunch um, of Boston players. Yeah, so yeah. it's in that case when sometimes you'll get lucky. Like he happened to get those guys around their average draft position before Hayward went down. So those are going to end up being like pretty good value for him. Their t- Their minutes and their touches are naturally going to go up without Hayward there. Um, but on the whole, I prefer personally to keep my players on different teams. I find that if a team is going to go through a major slump, I would rather only have that affect one of my players. And if you only have one player from each team, all teams aren't the same skill level. So you can have one player from each team and still have one of the top two players from each of those teams. You know, whereas if you get three or four players from each team, that is now impossible. You now have the the top one, two, three, and four players from that team. Um, So I think having the first or second option, even if the team does go through a slump, they're going to ride through that first or second option on the team. So the slump won't affect you as much. All right. Um, And then, yeah, so basically, like, there's not a whole lot more that was really confusing me. I did have a couple questions uh, on little things, um, just like what certain things mean. So, for instance, like the PR15, the PR7, stuff like that. So ESPN has their own player rater index, and that's based on their scoring system. Um, now, we are using the standard rotisserie scoring system, so the player rater is pretty accurate. Right now, it's uh, like the player rater 7 and the player rater 15 are a little unreliable, but basically it's just uh, zero is the median. If you're in the positive, you're doing well. If you're in the minus, you're doing poorly. Um, I think usually the highest player rater finishes around 11 or 12, so it's not a huge margin. Um and it'll just give you kind of an overview. So if you're doing really well in field goal percentage, then you'll get a plus for that. But it might be offset by the fact that you're not taking a lot of shots. So uh, it'll go down a little bit. Like it's the full rating of the impact of those stats. So if you have a high field goal percentage, but you're only taking two shots a game, you're not going to have a super high player rater index for that. You're only going to have a mediocre one because the the overall impact of it isn't as large. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, I think there's not a whole lot other... Um, other than like things like uh, what what's the difference between PR seven and PR fifteen? Like what does that mean? Last like, seven days and last oh, okay. fifteen days. That's, that's pretty simple, I guess. I could yeah. probably just research that on my <laughs> own. But I'm lazy and uh, I just want points. Um, that's all I've been focusing on, I guess, is just uh, where my standings are. I've noticed that everybody likes to do. I, I've noticed that everybody likes to go towards the points because there's the most recognizable players there. Yeah. Um, that's I've why actually, I, I I always like to buck the curve and go for the go for the counting stats, and then I'll let the points rack themselves up if they if they can. Yeah. Um, 
but because my guys are naturally taking lower shot attempts because they're passing the ball more, and I have Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, my field goal percentage always kicks up. Yeah. See, I think when we were talking, when I was originally uh, trying to pick my players and everything, was I was looking. I thought we. Had, I think we were talking about how I should look at rebounds and assists based on certain uh, um, players. Yeah, I think we were looking at your points, three pointers, assists, and then rebounds because you had. Um, because you had Lowry, who's a pretty good rebounding yeah. point guard, and then and yet yeah. my rebound and assists is my lowest. Um, it's my funny. Lowest stats. Yeah, I went for defensive stats, and my blocks are just terribly low. Like DeAndre yeah. Jordan still hasn't had a block all season. Last season, I think he finished with just under two a game, which is like a, an elite statistic for it, like for anybody. Yeah, um, and he still through three games hasn't had a block yet. Yeah. You're doing really well in assists and uh, field goal percentage. And that's the thing, man. What do we, we, I think we're three games out of the way per team, four games at the most. So we're not even a tenth of the way through the season yeah. yet. Um, but people always like to hit the panic button right off the start because everything's fresh. Yeah. I'm not panicking. I'm having a, a blast. I think it's fun to keep, yeah. uh, keep an eye on every night. And uh, I kind of just leave it open on the on the. Has there been the anybody you're looking at? Uh, to pick up? Or, yeah. Um, not to pick up. Uh, I'm really happy with my team. I know that I don't have necessarily the best. I know that like one of the things that I tried to do, and I guess this is not necessarily the brightest idea, was I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and play the strategic, even though I don't know NBA. So uh, when we were doing our, our draft picks, I was like, okay, I'm not going to pick from the top because I know all the characters that I know. Or, or Sorry, I keep saying characters. I'm um, <laughs> living in some fantasy world over here. Uh, all the players that I know are gonna get picked up really quick and i was like i was sixth spot or something like that and then i knew i would have to wait for the whole uh like if for, it to, for it to come back around again uh so i you know i went with carmelo anthony i was like he's a little further down i'll try and plan around him and then see what happens after that um I was it ended up working out. Yeah, I was hoping that by picking somebody lower, everybody else would get so caught up in picking the top, top, top players that they would forget about the lower guys and I could get them before they did. And then I could keep going for like... I would be a, a tier below them, always behind them by a little bit, but I'd always be getting one guy ahead of everybody else in that sense because when everybody pick, was picking for second tier, I would be picking for third tier. When everybody's picking for third tier, I'd be picking for fourth tier. So by the time they got there, I was getting I guess the your best picks guys. Would be, yeah, your picks would be more... Um... Your picks would be more targeted, but yeah. they wouldn't be as good players. Yeah, it's I an interesting. I wouldn't have top tier player, but I would have like because I'd be, be able be to target the best player available each in, time in each tier. Yeah, in each tier below that, which is what I was trying to do. Uh, but some other people started to do something similar once the first like six or seven top players were gone. Um, everybody wants to feel like they know more than everybody else, so mm-hmm. everybody wants to do that. I used to do that where I would just pick, like, I, I'd go way down and I'd start picking, like, I'd be like, oh, these rankings are stupid. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'd pick guys that were terrible. Well, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I bet this guy's going to have a huge year and he'd get, like, hurt, like, well, not Gordon Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> he would, they would just, like, have a terrible first couple weeks and I'd ride them through that terrible part. I'm like, no, I believe in you. And then they get benched and I'm like, oh, well, I just lost out on two weeks. Yeah. I um I remember when I was picking I was trying to I was trying to like research everybody's like stats and everything ahead of time and uh, I was really trying to pay attention to uh, to how they were expected to do and what they were doing and stuff um, but I was also like specifically looking for like 
I was filling them out as I went. I was like, okay, I'm going to look for a point guard right now. So like I'd look for a point guard and then I would like pull up all the top, like, cause it's obviously, it shows the top, um, in comparison to what you have. And then I would look at all their different stats in comparison and try and like notice little discrepancies, which would make one person a better pick than another, yeah. which was a lot of work, especially considering we're constantly moving through the draft. And before I know it, it's my turn again. And I'm like, shit, I still haven't picked somebody. And um, that's where like, cause fantasy basketball, while it is definitely, um, separate from basketball, like it's it, it's funny how little actual best like how funny actual basketball world changes will affect fantasy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think having an overview of of each team and having that overview of the game and knowing it really that intimately does help so much because it it makes all those decisions so much easier. Yeah. Um. Like I know Phoenix, uh, they have, they just fired their head coach, um, and who knows which way that's going to take it. Um, chances are nothing's going to change a whole lot. Devin Booker is still going to score a lot of points. Um, you know, you're still going to get a lot of three pointers out of him. The rest of the Suns team will still be a dumpster fire, <laughs> but. Um, it's about the minutes that go around. That's always the biggest thing I look for. If you have the opportunity, I'll take a chance on you. So having a head coaching change, I find, tends to be the biggest, uh, other than an injury, which opens up minutes naturally, yeah. a head coaching change is the biggest thing to look at. If a guy gets benched for a game, chances are he's still going to get back into the starting lineup within the next five or ten games. And the minutes are still going to be pretty consistent. But if the head coach changes, then he's going to want to do something, even if it's just for optics sake, so that he yeah. looks better, he's going to want to change that ro- rotation up. So like with the Suns now, they just fired their head coach. Um, Marquise Chris, he was a great player last year. He's been averaging like ten minutes a game. He just hasn't been getting court time. Mm-hmm. Um also, they really weren't playing good defense, so nobody was picking up defensive stats. Like, guys were just letting people drive by them to the rim. So, with the new head coaching change, chances are not only are you going to have guys who are proven commodities getting more minutes, but they're probably also going to buy in a lot more on defense and get a lot better defensive stats. Yeah. Does that affect uh, offensive stats, though, by changing up that much? Because if these are guys that are like specialized in defensive stats, what is that going to do to the rest of the team and how they are known to play? I think, well, I think the whole point is that the head coach, like a head coaching change will definitely make the team a little bit, a little bit wonky for a bit. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to kind of hone in on the guys that are really the core pieces. But I think it takes maybe a week of that first coach of that coaching change to come in maybe wait a week or two and say okay well who does it look like are his guys yeah you know who is he going to lean on when times get tough and then target those guys yeah um because there will always be a little bit of a power shift among the players when the coach changes um it's just natural because it's one of the big things that i've noticed in the little bit of time because i mean obviously we've been living together for a while so you know basketball's been kind of there in the background for me so i know a little bit more about it than other sports but it's always been kind of interesting to look at it in comparison to something like the nfl or some other sports where you have a defensive line and an offensive line and they run at different times they're not the same players whereas basketball it's the same so if you need defensive stats you also need this people who can do offensive at the same time right because the minute they um... you know the direction down the court changes they have to change their style for that it's a much more flow you definitely it's much more like hockey in that sense where Mm -hmm. you do have those guys who are supposed to do both things yeah um but you look at 
it's much more like hockey than football. Because, I mean, when you look at hockey, you have guys like uh, Eric Carlson, who is a defenseman by name, but really is a goal scorer by nature. Um, I mean, he's just a big guy. And he's played defense from when he was a young kid, but he's an offensive defenseman. Now, in today's NBA, you have that kind of versatility coming in where you have guys who are called stretch fours, you know, like a power forward who shoots three-pointers, which was never a thing before. Up until the early 2000s, power forwards and centers were asked just to stand underneath the net, grab rebounds, and block shots. They were your D-men. Now you have a lot more dynamic players. Um, Carl Anthony Towns won the skills competition over point guards. Um, He's seven seven feet tall, seven foot three? At least Jesus seven feet Christ. tall, right? And he dribbled, he passed, and he shot better than <laughs> better than a point guard could over a course. Um, so it's less you're you're going more for positionless players, and I think that's the way the NBA is going. Um, where eventually everybody will be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Everybody will pick up points, assists, rebounds, steals, three pointers, everything, just a gamut. Um, like I know. Uh, Chris um, is writing an article right now, um, which will be out soon, on the uh, Milwaukee Bucks um, and how they're going to be a dark horse like for the NC- or the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they've done a really good job of is really just picking up completely positionless players. All of them are around 6'7", which is the medium height for an NBA player. They're all around the average speed for an NBA player. So, And then they just switch everything on defense. So they're never out of position. Anybody that who's in front of them, they're like, I can guard this guy. Yeah. Does that bring in any challenges or, or problems, though, with people trying to... Like, without, without a title or without a position, they could just be like, you know, screw it, I'm going to try and do this, even though somebody else on the court is also like, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I so think it, it creates that kind of... Definitely. Um, miscommunication. I think that that's always... I think that managing the egos of players who have been the guy since they were kids is always going to be hard. Yeah. Um, but I think you you see it with guys like even J.R. Smith, who was once known as one of the most volatile players in the league. Um, he's really, as you get older, you mature to a certain degree. And the guys who don't mature don't make it in the league. Um, if you can't be okay with coming in for 15 minutes a game and playing good defense and passing the ball when you need to, you're not going to see court time. You're not even going to get in for that 10 or 15 minutes a game. Um, you see it all the time. Uh, yeah. Guys just aren't happy with their roles, and so they stop trying, and then it, so they don't see court time, and then they start trying even less, and then it just deteriorates from there. Well, that's one of the big things that I've noticed in the couple of games that we've watched together and stuff is there are certain teams that have like an all-star player, and they just give them the ball give them the ball give them the ball and nobody's really getting to play their part or it doesn't look like they're playing a part really they're you know they're passing it to them they're giving them an assist maybe but like other than that what are they doing for the team because this one guy is just dominating the court well i think it's possible to have teams like that but you always need somebody behind them Mm -hmm. um there's no way that that's one person's body i mean you saw with james harden last year in the playoffs he just fell apart in game six he couldn't handle it um, you saw it with Russell Westbrook in the playoffs. Two guys who had like almost historical. Well, Russell Westbrook did have one of the highest usage percentages. I think it might have been the highest usage percentage of all time, um, other than Kobe Bryant. That's what it was. Um, shocker. Yeah. Um, but they just fall, you fall apart in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I think 
to create a successful team, and this is something that I had talked about in one of my other articles, is that you just you have to have that off guy. You need somebody, and you know you see it with Kyle and with Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan. Um, you see it with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Uh, you see it with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, I think the difference between teams that succeed doing that and teams that don't is who are your other guys. And are you getting them involved too? Yeah. Um, well, I and, think that's one of the big things about yeah. like LeBron, for instance, is like I've, I remember we were watching a game together once, <clears throat> and LeBron like gives attention to the other players, right? He lets them do stuff on the court. Like he he seemed to he's, manage it really well. He's one of the most interesting star players because if, for a guy who's as good as he is, he doesn't necessarily have a killer instinct. His primary goal is to facilitate because he knows that that's the way that he can impact the game the most. Yeah. For a guy who's 6'9 and 265 pounds, it's really weird to see. Um, he's just so talented that you don't really realize that scoring isn't his main goal because he's so good at scoring. Yeah. But he's one of the most, if not the most, cerebral player ever to play the game. I mean, he's legitimately a coach on the court. Yeah. If he if he ever gets into coaching, he's going to be a legend there, too. Um, so he knows when he needs to get the guy's balls, and he knows when he needs to get them their shots when they're not feeling great. Yeah. Um, one of the big turning points of J.R. Smith's career was when he started playing with LeBron. And I think you realize when you start playing with LeBron, this guy's going to get me the ball when I need it. I don't think JR ever feels I'm not getting the ball enough. Yeah. And it's just a byproduct of playing with somebody who's that good at distributing. Yeah, and I think that that might be one of the concerns, or at least it would be, like, just, you know, like, I'm not much, like, I don't play sports or anything, really, but, like, I can imagine, you know, you, you, you get drafted into it, uh, like, into a, onto a team and stuff, and you're getting out there on the court, and you're not getting the chance to do anything because you got some superstar, and you're just walking in a shadow, right? Whereas, like, teams where they kind of spread it out a little bit, give people the chance to kind of show that they're good, too, um, is, where, you know, you get that confidence boost in your team, oh, yeah. and when everybody's feeling confident about it you succeed better i well i think sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy i think when you look at um damari carroll uh who just went to brooklyn he's playing really well this season now i have never been a damari carroll fan or a brooklyn fan i mean i'm a diehard raptors fan and after that the whole 2014-15 playoffs where kyle lowry's last shot was blocked by paul pierce who's on who, who was on the nets at the time in the last five seconds of the game and we got kicked out of the playoffs and that still is burned into the back of my brain. Um, but Damari Carroll, when he was on the Raptors, did not play well. I didn't like him for it. He was perpetually injured, it seemed. He couldn't shoot. Uh, he wasn't buying in on defense and so he just stopped getting minutes. And when he left, there was this story that came up that said that he really just that he had said a bunch of terrible stuff about the organization, that there was no trust on the court. There was no trust um, among the coaching staff that basically this there wasn't enough ball movement, that there was a clear pecking order um, and that he wasn't a part of it. And I think when you feel like that, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think, finally, I'm getting the ball, I never get the ball, and then you put up a shot, you're probably going to miss that shot. Um, and as a result, you're going to get less minutes, and they're going to pass to you less, and then you're going to hit less shots because you're feeling even worse. I can see Now that he's on way. Brooklyn, he's playing really, really well. Yeah. Um, so I think just a change of scenery like that and having that new kind of fresh start and saying, well, these guys trust me. It goes a long way towards yeah. getting those shots a minute. I can see it going the other way as well, though. If you're in that kind of situation, you get the pressure, you get the ball, you're ready to take the shot, and you do get it, 
and then you stop getting the ball again afterwards. It's like, well, I prove myself, and yet I'm still not getting the attention, which is, again, something that's, it, that again, it becomes that problem where it's a winner, it's a, you know, a lose-lose situation where if you don't shoot, you know, all that pressure stops you from making the shot, you continue to get no shots, everything from that point on. You do get the shot, but then they still don't give you enough time on the court or enough shots, and you feel like, well, I... Am I, am I good? Am I not? And that's a product of coaching. Um, a good coach will make sure that the ball touches at least three people's hands every possession. Um, and then you'll make sure that you run offensive sets through those people who have been shooting well recently. Yeah. That way they have a chance to, when they catch it, make that play. Um, good, good coaches will make players happy. Um, and that will just always be the case. Like, you look at Popovich. LaMarcus Aldridge was the first player who was ever unhappy in Coach Pop's system. Um, but he's a ball hog. So when he gets the ball, he's used to pounding it down low, holding on to it for five or ten seconds at a time. That's not what Popovich's offense is built around. His offense is built to get everybody to touch the ball so that you just you, you make a quick decision. Am I open? No. Pass the ball. Is he open? No. Drive the ball. That's it. Um... So it's important to realize that, which is hard, again, right? All these guys have been the guys since they were 10. Um, But you have to realize that you are part of a system and that you have to make that right play. Um, Damari, I think, wasn't making the right play. I hate to use him as an example because he really is playing a lot better now. Um, But he just wasn't making the right play. He looked shaky when he had the ball. He was looking for fouls that weren't there. He wasn't making the right pass all the time. And when he would hit a shot, he would get the ball back, but then he would miss a couple consecutively. Um, if you're always making the right play, you will always get the ball. Yeah. Nobody wants to pass you the ball if you're not going to make the right play, but nobody wants to not pass you the ball if they think this guy's going to score or this guy's going to give me the ball back. Yeah, um, That's what makes Lonzo Ball such an interesting t- player to play with. He rarely touches the ball for more than a second or two because he's always just... Uh, or he, when he catches the ball off of something, he rarely holds on to it. He'll either make the extra pass or shoot it or drive. Um, he's really smart that way. And that's why the drafting of him was such a big deal because the idea is that when people know they're getting the ball back, they're more likely to pass it around. And Lonzo's so good at making sure everybody gets the ball that it permeates the offense to such a degree that it changes the culture of a team. Um, so that will that is going to be interesting to watch. Um, but it's just all a learning experience in that sense, right? Um, so we've definitely come off of the uh, off of the whole fantasy draft uh, talk. So, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on while we still have some time? Um, no, I mean the big, the Phoenix one was a big one, but I think we kind of covered that over the over the um, fantasy stuff. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in the early season. Um, the only other thing about fantasy is, and this is something in relation to the NBA, when you look at Markel Fultz, who's injured right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really the lesson that should be learned here when you look at a guy who just came into the league, you know, he got drafted by Philly, um, you know, really suffered, struggled through his first little bit, and everybody was like, no, he's going to do really well, is to not draft players from Philly. Like, will people just learn? <laughs> 
<laughs> somebody there needs to fire their training staff because this is now the third year in a row that they've that they're going to have to redshirt their rookie for the first at least month of the season. Um, at first, they when they have Jared Bayless starting over him, they have Ben Simmons playing point forward. They really don't need faults in the game right now. So if he's been changing his free throw shooting form to a degree where it's this detrimental to his game, why are you playing him? And why are you, like, apparently you didn't divulge that he had a cortisone shot before the season started, and then he's been visibly hurt by this injury, and the guy you just put your future in, you're just going to put out there. Like, just get, people need to get out of Philly. Um, which just sucks because, like, I had them pegged as an eighth seed this year. I thought they were going to do really well, but man, that team is that organization is poorly run. Okay. Well, that actually, I was. Um, I mean, we can wrap it up in a second. I did have a question because you were saying earlier um, that you know it really depends on things like the the way that coaches run the game. Um, but you're also saying just now, uh, which made me think of it again, is, you know, like the way that organizations and stuff are run. Uh, who would you say, yeah, this is something that I haven't really heard people talk about much, but out of coaches, who's the best coach? Um, uh, it, it depends on who you ask. I think, coach, uh, in my opinion right now, it's Steve Kerr. Um, but coaching? I think he's he coaches the Warriors. Okay. Um, just as far as getting people to play cohesively as a unit. His X's and O's are fantastic. Um, I think the culture that he's brought in, while is is modern, I think that Steph Curry is a little bit of a diva and that reflects negatively on Steve Kerr. Um, But I think he manages his players well enough to just win on a consistent basis year in and year out. Yeah. Um, I think historically it's been Popovich. I think he's been, just over the past 10 or 15 years, the best coach. Um, but it, it it depends on the era you ask from. It depends on uh, what you like as a basketball player. Like I'm, I love the idea of the whole ball movement and the perimeter, um, and I like the flashiness that the Warriors bring. So I would say yeah. Steve Kerr. But if you're a more reserved person, Popovich would be their would be their statement every time. Yeah, there's. Um, I think that's one of the names that I know the most. Is is yeah, Coach Popovich. Yeah, he's yeah. a legend. Yeah, well, just like all like all that you were just talking about, like you know, I actually understood what was being said there. Um, so yeah, there's uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the stuff that I do know or the names that I do <laughs> recognize and stuff. Now I'm like, well, I know the Raptors and I know the Warriors. Um, I don't really know much. Uh, outside of that so I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this whole like uh, the fantasy draft because I think that it's going to really help me learn a little bit more maybe not you know exactly because it's not it's not quite the same as actually watching or taking part in basketball but it's definitely helping me to to kind of well for anybody who's listening to this podcast who wants to get people into sports fantasy or video games those are the two that got me in I yeah. played Madden when I was 12 I played an NBA when I was 13 and then by the time I was 15 or 16, I was just doing fantasy drafts all the time because it's just yeah. so much fun. You get such an investment in the players. Yeah, I'm it's already so, invested. Right? It's like, so much nicer watching a game when you know, A, what those things mean because um, you have an idea of what the statistics are. And then, B, um, you know who's playing. 
Because, like, it's no fun watching a game if you don't know who's playing. What's the point, then? Yeah. I think there are going to be some changes that I have to make up because, like, I'm investing myself a lot into certain, like, players because they're just fucking killing it for me. And then there are other times where I'm just, like, looking at it and I'm just, like, healed. Do something. Oh, buddy. I will, I, I'll take Buddy healed off you. Uh, I love him. Yeah. He's I love doing him. nothing for me, Oh, he's me, terrible. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not terrible. Like, he's, he's in a position I to do well. I so much more from him. He's um, in a position to do well. Yeah. But, uh, I think that's yeah, he's why. kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, but I love him. Like, um, no, I think he's I, great. I see what you're doing over there. No, I, see what you're doing I think he's there. great. Yeah, I know what you're trying to do. I know how you're trying to hustle. <laughs> I know you like to hustle people. In, in, in I well, I have Willie Cauley Steen, who's one of uh, who's one of Heald's teammates, who's in very much the same position. Young guy, nobody really believed in him. Everybody in front of him disappeared in the depth chart. So now they've just been thrust all these young kids into a starting spot. Yeah. Um. So there's going to be bound to be ups and downs there. Yeah, yeah. I've just been like, I think he's one of the few players that I've actually been having some issues with. Uh, Ilyasova's day to day still. And Ilyasova's a, be- a borderline guy. Yeah. If you need to, I would say just get rid of him. Yeah, I'm um, thinking about it. Um, and I'm not saying that because I want him, because I don't want him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all. We can uh, we can wrap it up here unless you've got anything else that you want to say. No, I think that's good for this week. I think uh, me and Matt are going to try to get one done later so we can cover a little bit more in depth into some new NBA news and yeah. some NHL stuff. But for the time being, I think this is fun, man. Yeah. You got a little bit of knowledge about fantasy basketball. I got to feel like a big shot. It was a good time. Did you, um, just as a question as we're wrapping up, did you see the, the um, Warriors game against the Grizzlies? Uh, no, I didn't. No, did you hear about what um, was happening? I, yeah, in it? so Steph Curry and Kevin Durant threw their mouth guards. I thought that was ridiculous. Durant flipped off the fans. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I, I, I think that. But again, I have no faith in NBA referees. Yeah, um, it's a byproduct of being Canadian. Um, you take anything you can get, and the one thing that it, we can always look at is say, "Well, we're not an American team, so the refs hate us." Yeah. So now I just don't like referees. Um, Having said that, the league will always benefit the teams that make them the most money, and the Warriors make them the most money. Um, yeah. So they're not going to get rid of like those. Every single one of the Warriors games are going to be nationally televised they do this seem year. To be one of the most marketable teams. Um, um, well, Steph Curry is an icon. Kevin Durant is uh, um, a less of an icon, but he's getting there. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, like I, I know Kevin Durant. I and they've just changed the way basketball is played. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's funny because, like, I, I think that the Warriors are definitely one of the most marketable teams. But I know that, like, you know, Canada gets a lot of shit. But the Raptors are have a huge market. Yeah. And, like, they seem really, at least, you know, I'm, I don't know what it's like being in the States, being in any of these, you know, states that have their own team. But like, Sports in Canada is less of a religion than it is in the States. Or it's less of an industry than it yeah, is in the States. That's but, what I mean, it is. You, find, you go to Toronto or anywhere near Toronto, anywhere in the GTA, and it's just there's Raptors stuff everywhere. It's yeah. like, and I do think that they should bring another team back to Canada. And I wrote an article about that because I think that it is a large untapped market. Yeah. If you look at some of the talent that's coming out of Canada right now, um, I mean, two of the last guys who are projected to be the next LeBron James, I mean, Andrew Wiggins, who just dropped that game winner over uh, OKC the other night. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Anthony Bennett, who I have to say, because he was at one point supposed to be touted as the next LeBron James, big flop. Um, but both of those kids came out of the Toronto area. I um, mean, look at Jamal Murray, who came out of Kitchener. He plays for Denver now. He's looking to be their point guard of the future or shooting guard of the future. Um, and then R.J. Barrett, who right now is 18, who's looking to be the next phenom coming into the league. Yeah. Um, 
Because I think it's just a shame to have such a large untapped market um, and not really uh, give it give basketball the visibility that you could otherwise. Well, I think that there's also there's that misconception, right? Like we had this discussion last night while we were gaming with somebody who's in the states. Is that I think you know, like at one point, like you know, basketball was yeah. Canadian, and in America, they seem to think that yeah, it was, that guy uh, thought it was a, American. Yeah, he thought it was it, made in uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, well, because Na- James Nathan. Yeah, yeah, the um, James it, Naismith is from uh, Massachusetts, yeah. and so that's I think that at Boston College or something is where it was first played as a real sport. Yeah, but, what, the, but it, it was the invented itself, or yeah, like the that, game. Yeah the way it's played today and the, and the league formation and stuff was, yeah, definitely in the set States. In concrete in, in the States, but it was a Canadian made sport. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just funny that like, we're getting so we get so little attention for that. And then, uh, we get completely overlooked. Um, and I, I swear to God, there's going to be riots if they ever take away the Raptors from us. Oh, it, hell yeah. I mean, but we're, like I said, we're one of the most marketable. What do you think? Do you think there'll be a bigger riot if, they win the championship or if they take the franchise away i think that because we're canadians yeah, there'd be a, a bigger ride if they took it away from us uh, because if, if they I think won we'd, be, we'd just be so happy that we i would... think we'd be mildly disappointed if they took it away from us i think we'd be more polite if they took it away from us because that's a negative emotion because d- you, yeah, you yeah were, we might just say sorry a lot. right i think if we <laughs> but like uh, you, you weren't in vancouver man when we won the gold no, after know, the olympics I, I they saw, were yeah they, they they will ride for anything well, that's Vancouver, though. I think that's why they took away the the, the, the Van- Grizzlies. The that Grizzlies. was the whole point. That was after that. They're like, you know what? I think we- when did they did they take the Grizzlies away after? The, uh, no, no, no. They or took they the Grizzlies did, away the in Grizzlies like the early two thousands. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I think that they probably saw a trend going on in Vancouver. Yeah. Right. They're like we're gonna take away the Grizzlies from you before <laughs> anything dangerous happens, and then we just set that in even further after the Olympics. Yeah. Right. Um, we'll let you hurt yourselves. Yeah. You don't hurt our NBA players. <laughs> I think the problem with. Uh, I think, yeah, I think there'd be bigger riots if they took away the Raptors because it's our last standpoint oh, in yeah. the NBA, right? And that would be, uh, well, that would, honestly, I think at this point, um, there's only so much you can do with one Canadian franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't play, unless they show consistent improvement, then you have an entire country as a whole that you're that's losing interest. Yeah. Um, and I think we're kind of at that point where basketball has become stagnant again. It is still growing a little bit, but yeah. with the changes in streaming options and cable packages and everything like that, um, unless there's something done to expand basketball north of the border, I think basketball, the, the popularity of it is going to fall off sometime in the near future. You know, and we, we've got multiple teams in hockey, multiple Canadian teams. So it's, you know, it's easy for us to stand. If the uh, Leafs don't do well, you can always hate the Senators because yeah. they are still Canadian. You have some emotional investment. In yeah. Them. And then, yeah, you've got um, Montreal Canadiens. Right. You know, like we've got a, we've got a couple different, you know, Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. If you're um, in, uh, if you're in Alberta, you can either cheer for uh, Edmonton or Calgary. Yeah. So we've got, we've got teams. We've got like somewhere that we, which creates that nice uh, little bit of, uh, you know competitiveness between the provinces right right? definitely like and that's one of the things that you see in the states as well if i see a boston celtics fan here i'm like oh you're a celtics fan they're like yeah i'm like whatever yeah it doesn't matter they're not we're not in boston they have they have no reason to like boston but if you're in alberta and you're walking down the street and you see you're an edmonton fan you see a calgary fan yeah 
then you're like, okay, like I get it. Like I hate you now, but I get it. Yeah, I don't think anybody. I don't think Toronto has anybody to be rivals with, really. With like all the other states seem to have rivalries. Um, we had Brooklyn for a while, uh, but I mean, there's only so long you can have a rival with a team that's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just makes us look even worse. Right. I, I think that's about it. I, yeah, I really don't think that there no are like, any big cares. rivalries. No. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, no, I got nobody. Yeah, we're not, there's not really anything there. Um, yeah, well, hopefully, maybe they'll eventually give us another team. That would yeah. be nice. Um, but I don't know. I think that that That's would be it. a That's it, Ultimatum 2017. But what, what, what would happen, though, if we brought in another Canadian team? Would people just stick with the Raptors or start moving over to the new team? We'll find out who really likes the Raptors and who just likes liking sports. Yeah, who <laughs> likes having a Canadian team. All right, guys. Well, that's, uh, I think that's it for our podcast for the night. Uh, we will try and get another one out sometime soon. You said you and Matt are going to do another one in the near we'll future. We'll figure it out at some point soon. Yeah, so uh, that's about it. We're going to finish it up here. Um, yeah, so just keep uh, remember to always ask yourself, where's the foul? to stay here